We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. Uh, at this time, kids, you are dismissed. Go be lights. Awesome. Elijah, would you help me with something? I forgot to give the Atkinsons and the Polands a book called Rediscover Church. As you walk back there, just kind of model it to our church. Be like Vanna White. There you go. That is, uh, yeah, he didn't know. Huh? <laughs> Does he know who Vanna White is, Mom, Dad? No. Well, be like her, okay? You know. uh, that's a new book on our bookshelf, and um, it's a good one. Suggested donation, six bucks. But for the Adkinsons and Polands, eight. No, I'm just kidding. Three. Three. Uh, hey, it is good to be back. Um, was last week just awesome having a youth-led worship? Wasn't that great? Youth, great job. Thank you so much for serving your church. It's pretty great. Cousins, thank you for taking the lead on that. And um, uh, I heard that Josh served you well from the book of Ephesians. And uh, we're grateful. Grateful for you guys. Um, hey, little update uh, on, on my end, uh, but more so update on the kingdom of God. Um, last week, I had the opportunity to go to Green Bay, Wisconsin, and take part in helping other pastors learn the book of Second Timothy. And um, I sat with eight pastors, and uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it was just, it was a great time. Um, so here's how, like, the Lord is working in another state, Okay. Um, funny thing, each of these workshops, they're called Simeon Trust Workshops, a number of men uh, from this congregation has, have been to one of them, or two of them. Um, each workshop takes on its own personality, depending on who's hosting and, and uh, the relational network. So uh, I spent all last week with a whole bunch of awesome Presbyterians. It was great. It's a bunch of very thoughtful very careful men in the scriptures. That's kind of a mark of Presbyterian pastors. They're just, they're, they're solid, right? Um, here's, here's something to know. 11 years ago in Wisconsin, there were six PCA churches, Presbyterian churches. After 11 years, uh, they have 21 churches all over the state of Wisconsin, and they're doing a great work. So be encouraged um, that God is like still advancing his kingdom. Um, there are other like streams that are, are doing great work besides EV free churches, right? And um, I really, res- I think we have a lot to learn from those churches. And I hope that, uh, I hope that we continue to learn from our Presbyterian brother. It was brothers. It was a very like good and challenging week for me. Um, one of the highlights um, was me I think you have kind of guessed this by now, but if you're new here or whatever, that I'm from Green Bay. One of the highlights was uh, being able to sit down with some of my, get this, fifth and sixth grade youth leaders. I know, Carrie's laughing. 
Carrie, what are you laughing at? What are you? <laughs> okay. Getting to sit down with them. So Josh, Miranda, this will encourage you guys. Um, you know, just five years later. No, no, no. Just, just 20, 25, whatever. Um, so they're like 70, 72 now. And, um, and I was, was really just gripped by this truth. That they, like, as faithful followers of Jesus, what they wanted to talk about and what was so readily available on their lips was the spiritual condition of other people. Like, how's so-and-so doing? Is he or she still walking with Jesus? Hey, you need to pray for my daughter. Hey, she's this. But you, like, like she loves the Lord. Oh, they're in a great church down in Florida. Like, they immediately, they didn't want to know about the ball games. They didn't want to know... They wanted to know how people were doing spiritually. And I just came away so encouraged and built up from that and said, you know what? I'm going to tell my church about that. Um, So this week, have it on your mind to be spiritually concerned and excited about other people's walk with Jesus. And that, my friends, is called a joyful Christian life. Yes? We're going to see that play out uh, in the scriptures today. One more thing before we dive in. One more thing. Next week is a special week. Um, All throughout the world, uh, it's called International Day of Prayer. And it's especially focused on praying for the persecuted church. Um, And we're going to participate. Um, So it's November 7th. And we want to invite you next week, especially to two things. Um, Next week at 9 a.m., we're going to have a special time of prayer devoted to the persecuted church, okay? And then um, during our service, we're going to allot a good portion of our time to praying for uh, the nations, to those who are um, suffering and under the thumb. And uh, we're going to pray for their joy. We're going to pray for their endurance. But we need these kind of days because uh, if you're anything like me, we can be a little bit forgetful and just pray about like our own stuff, right? And so we're really going to devote that time to, being, uh, to prayer for the persecuted church. Not a side note, but like this is the main thing, is that uh, we're going to use next week as a platform to kick off a new ministry within our church. Um, and it's the ministry of prayer. From now on, next Sunday, we're going to invite everyone in the whole church, if you can make it, to come uh, to pray at 9 o'clock, okay? Why? Uh, Because God really likes it when we pray, right? Um, But also because we know from studying that um, revival takes place when his people pray. So let me tell you a quick story, okay? Um, uh, Charles Spurgeon, a pastor in London, a number of years ago, um, was, was visited by several pastors in the area. And Spurgeon's church was blown up. And they, and they came, and they're like, what are you doing? How is this happening? Parentheses, how can we like, get this cool gimmick or like trick of the trade in order for our churches to grow? And Spurgeon said, I want you to, I want you to follow me. I want to show you something. And he didn't answer their, like, how do you guys do it question with, like, smoke machines or, like, my personality 
or, well, you just have to do step one, two, and three. He brought them down into their basement. And, he, and it was this empty room at the time. And he goes, you see this floor? During our service, we had people pray. And the pastors were like, right? And so we want to be a people like that. We want to be a people that pray together. Uh, scripture commands us. Sometimes we need just a little structure around it. So we want to pray in our groups, obviously. We want to pray in our marriages. We want to pray with our friendships. If you're being discipled, if you're doing discipleship, we want to pray. But uh, we want to especially allot this time for our church to be devoted to prayer. And let's watch what happens. Amen? Um, if you are interested, there are a few resources in the back on uh, Voice of the Martyrs, which is a fantastic ministry. Uh, we get this magazine mailed to us monthly. Um, here is a Join a Prayer Global Movement thing. And then I thought I grabbed one more. Here it is. Um, here's a I Commit to Pray card. And um, it just connects you to Voice of the Martyrs. Um, they'll mail you stuff for free. They've got awesome articles. And uh, my Sophie actually is thinking about serving with them when she grows up. So you can be praying for Sophie. So uh, would you open your Bibles to Romans 15? And let's get started. Uh, I, I'd like to start out our time together and just by pointing you to one verse in particular, and that's verse 7. Uh, this verse in this passage functions almost like a hinge on a door everything leads up to this verse verses 1 through 6 and then verses 8 through 13 which we're going to cover 8 through 13 or 1 through 13 today really it, from this verse stems all the results of it and so i think it would be it would be really good to start with it let it be on our minds and even memorize it as a church so let me read it it goes like this, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And let's just go ahead and memorize it as a church, okay? Let's take these two sections. You guys got the part that says, therefore, welcome one another, okay? Can we practice that? Ready? Good. Let's, these two sections, let's go as Christ welcomed you, ready? Good, theirs was a little more hearty, but we'll give you guys the opportunity to like redeem yourself because you were the first, okay? And then let's go, everyone, for the glory of God. All right, so let's practice. Here we go. Are we ready? Okay, you can peek a little bit, but by the end of the sermon, you got to have it down. Okay, ready, Sullivan? Here we go. <laughs> Amen. Hey, when you walk out of here this morning, okay, and someone asks you, what'd you study this morning or what'd you learn? That's the main thing. We want to learn and obey this verse this Sunday. So the title is Welcome and Watch. Welcome and Watch. And uh, to summarize this passage, remember, this isn't Newman's ideas or my agenda, but really we want God to speak through his scriptures. So to summarize this passage in a sentence would be this. As Christ welcomed you, welcome the weak and watch what happens. 
And so those will be our two guiding points. Point one, welcome the week. And point two, watch what happens. Let's start with point number one, welcome the week. Okay, so we learned, uh, this is a little bit of review, but we learned in chapter 14 about the week and what we are supposed to do. So this language of welcoming should not be new to us because he told us in, in chapter 14 to welcome the week. Okay? He said, hey, don't get in fights. Stop quarreling about matters of indifference, like things that don't rise to the surface of being absolutely essential to the Christian faith. Like things that you might have an opinion about or maybe even strong convictions. What we're saying is welcome one another. Chapter 14. And in review, we studied the word welcome. Uh, It had two um, colors to the definition. One was to take or receive into one's home, which obviously has like verbiage of hospitality, okay? But then the other, and and it goes even more deep, is this relational welcoming. And it says to receive, i.e., to grant access into one's heart. Do you remember that from a couple weeks ago? We talked about how that feels. In some translations, it says, accept one another. And we said, oh, that doesn't quite capture the heart of what it means to welcome someone. Because you could go, oh, I accept this person. We'll just agree to disagree. And emotionally and relationally, what do you do? You just kind of distance yourself from them because they're not really that like-minded. Like they're just, they think a little bit differently on on things and so you start going, "Uh, I'm going to gravitate towards people that I agree with mostly on everything. Why? Why do we do that? First of all, do we do that? I think we do do that, right? Why do we do that? It's easier It's so easy. So chapter 14 taught us, hey, welcome. Welcome the weak. Like receive them into your heart. Open up your lives to them. Don't keep them at a distance, but pursue them and draw near to them. And what 15 does, what chapter 15 does, is it moves the needle for the Christian just a little bit more. So... Your spiritual condition right now after receiving chapter 14 could be something like this. All right, Lord. I'm willing. Like, I will follow you in not only difficult situations, but also in difficult relationships. I'll I'll do what you ask me. But if they fail me, and if they let me down... They're done! (laughs) They're out of my life! All right? But I'm willing. I'm willing. And verse 1 of chapter 15 helps us go, ooh, following Jesus actually is going to cost me everything. Watch this. Verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak (laughs) and not to please ourselves. 
So let's say it together. We memorized it. Okay, here's verse 7. Ready? Therefore. Well, let's try it again. Maybe I gave you a bad cue. Ready? For the glory of God. That's our answer. That's our answer. So if we have this like heart cry, this honest desire of like, oh, even in someone's failing, even in someone's weakness and shortcoming, even if they disappoint me, and Jesus says, yeah, because I welcomed you, I want you to do the same. I want you to pay it forward. I want you to welcome one another as I have welcomed you. So right away, church, can you think of someone? <laughs> this probably won't be a hard activity. Can you think of someone who's disappointed you? Who has failed you? Has not met your expectations? What are you going to do? Can you think of someone in our church that has done this to you? How will you respond? What is going to be the ultimate motivator for you to welcome them, to grant them access into your life? And it's this phrase in verse 7, as Christ has welcomed you. That's it. As Christ has welcomed you. Like that should fuel your life in ministry, in hard relationships, in strong and weak relationships. How did Christ welcome us? So we know from Scripture, God tells us that before we were in Christ, we were alienated, we were his enemy. Colossians 1.21. This means that before we were Christians, we shook our fists at God. We, we hated Him. It's a bit shocking, isn't it? It kind of stings. But the amazing truth of the Gospel is that while we were enemies, that we were reconciled to God through the death of Jesus. That's Romans 5.10. New language in the book of Romans. It's true throughout all of Scripture. Let me give you one more. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. I'll, I'll read it for you. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. You can just immediately apply this. This is me before conversion. This was Jeff and Phyllis, David and Linda, prior to them coming to Christ. Okay? Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. And they were strangers, just like all of us. We were strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been what? That's right. You've been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's a great answer to how has Christ welcomed you? Well, you were enemies. You were aliens. You were strangers. And through the death and sacrifice and the love of Jesus Christ, He brought you near. So, 
Have you got that person in your mind yet that's been a little bit hard to love this week? It's been a little bit hard to welcome them in your heart? Hopefully now, through this scripture and through just gospel connections, you have the tools and the motivation from Jesus to welcome them. But maybe you're sitting in your chair right now going, all right, Newman, like, so what? Is this one big message on, like, um, how to get along? Um, is this a sociological uh, church? Like, is this, you know, just, like, people, unity, like, hey, just stop fighting everyone and, and we'll live a nicer life? Is that the message today of the text? And I would say, no, there is, there is so much more than just the sociological purpose. And there's such a bigger story than, okay, so I just got to find the person I don't get along with and just get along with them. So this is point two. Watch what happens. So if you, Christian, decide to love someone in a Christ-like, radical, but yet very normative way for the Christian, in a very ordinary, sacrificial way, if you choose to let someone in your life, to not withhold them at a distance, if you choose to welcome them and grant them access in your heart, what will happen? So I got four things from the text. You might come up with more, but here's me doing my best on this Sunday. Number one, these four things will serve you. They'll motivate you and they'll, they'll like ignite your heart to restore the purpose of your life. Okay, here we go. Number one, God is glorified. Let me read verses six through seven. That together you may with one voice glorify God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. And everyone said, for the glory of God. Okay, so this would be, just to borrow from uh, Presbyterians, this would be the Westminster Catechism. First question, what says, what is the chief end of man? The answer is that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. So the chief, the ultimate purpose, like the thing, is for you to fulfill God's purpose in your life is to glorify Him. Well, how do you glorify Him? From this text, we're saying to welcome the weak. So, if you want to learn to glorify God, it is necessary to learn how to not be a jerk to people you disagree with. Amen? If you want to learn how to deal with people, you have got to learn to live in such a way that doesn't seek your own pleasures in life, but to seek the pleasures of God. To seek what pleases Him and pleases others. Like, let's just do a cursory reading of verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Okay? Circle the amount of times that you see the word Please, 
Okay, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And here we go, take out your pen. And not to please ourselves. Verse 2, each, uh, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. Verse 3, for Christ did not please himself. Look at that. I mean, just in those three verses, it's all about Jesus and all about others and not about pleasing yourself in each and every decision in your life from little to big. So friends, when you live like this, when you commit to living like this, to live for others and Jesus and welcome the weak in your life, God says that he receives glory. So here's two quick examples of that just in, in, a, in people's lives, okay? Just so, for you to color what it looks like, okay? Um, one time, Mother Teresa was, was passing through a crowd in Detroit, and one woman said this about Mother Teresa's life. Her secret is that she is free to be nothing. Therefore, God can use her to do anything. Isn't that a great heart of surrender? She's free to be nothing. This one, Michael Glazer um, wrote this. It's a British actor. British actor Michael Wilding was once asked if actors had any traits which set them apart from other human beings. You guys want to know the answer to this one? This is how he answered it. Oh, without a doubt. He replied, you can pick out actors by the glazed look that comes into their eyes when the conversation wanders away from themselves. <laughs> I know. That was written in 1993. So to connect the dots just with Mother, Mother Teresa and that story on actors living to please others and not ourselves requires us to take an interest in other people's lives and a willingness to be nothing so that Jesus would be everything. So that we would not be seen or heard in every conversation and situation, but that God would get all the glory. And that glorifies God. That's point two Sub point one. <laughs> okay, here's sub point number two. Ready? Jesus is magnified. So remember, we're looking at what happens when you welcome others as Christ has welcomed you. If you obey this first, is there fruit? Is there results in this life and in the life to come? And we are saying in verse two, in point number two, that Jesus is magnified. Point one, God is glorified, but now Jesus is magnified. Paul puts forth Jesus as a model and a motivator for us in this passage. Let your eyes fall in verse 3 again. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Let your eyes go down to verse 8. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. So Jesus, he lived to please himself 
And he did this by becoming a servant. Um, when I was a kid, my dad, dads like to do like dad weird jokes and things like that. When I was a kid, my dad used to wake me up with all the dad songs. And all these songs, I don't think anyone else knows them but dad, you know? And he doesn't know all of them. He like starts them and then bum, 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 right? But I remember he would always come in my door to wake me up and, and he would be singing this song, all right? Here's a little, little song amidst a sermon. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be a servant to all. You know it? If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be a servant. And then he would go, bum, 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 bum. You guys can see that my dad did it. But that, that's it. That God's people, like that Jesus is magnified. God's glorified when his people are servants to all. And it's crazy counterintuitive that as the church chooses the lowly path, somehow the humble get exalted and God gets exalted when we continue to choose low, 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 low. So question, is there someone in your life this week that you could serve? That you could go low? When in following your Savior, you magnify Jesus by choosing the low path. Would you look for opportunities even this week to serve? To go out of your way so that others might be served? That's number two. Jesus is magnified. Number three, the Holy Spirit is visualized. The Holy Spirit is visualized. Now, don't get all weird on me, okay? All that means is that people, if you live like this, that people will see the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay? Let me read verse 13 for you. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So hopefully you see this from the Scriptures this triune theme, like God, uh, God the Father is, is talked about by Paul. He talks about the Son, and now he cap, you know, like, just wraps a bow around it, and he's like, and the Spirit, like all the Trinity is involved in this process to help you welcome the weak. You know, I, I, love, I love being your pastor. I love teaching the scriptures to you week in and week out. I just think I, there's nothing better. And uh, I love teaching the scriptures to a people that I know and I talk to during the week and I pray for. And I know that many of you face very difficult relationships. And, you know, I'm no prophet, but I guess, I'm guessing that this week you'll face relational challenges too. Friends, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means in your honesty and in your prayer life to God, you confess that you don't have the desire to love this person right now. And you don't have the power and the wherewithal to accomplish it on your own. 
This could be mothers to their daughters, fathers to their sons, whatever. This could be coworkers, classmates, uh, spouses. It, this is for the church. This is for everyone. You need to be filled with the Spirit. And so you acknowledge your fleshly desires. And then you say, Lord, would you change my desires? And so, therefore, I yield control to you because I want to control. I want to white-knuckle my feelings and how I'll respond to everything, but I want to give you control, and so I surrender. That's what it means to be filled, to give the Spirit control of your life, not yourself. And so when the Spirit has control of your life, it's a very freeing thing to follow Jesus by the power of the Spirit. You've got to ask Him, though, to change your desires. That was number three. And here's number four, and this is the last one. The result of welcoming others. Remember I asked, is this just some sociological thing? Like, I'm getting this in my classes in college, Pastor Newman, in my sociology class. How is this different? How is the gospel different? Watch this. The nation's hope is realized. The big picture is not just you getting along with other church members. Watch how Paul shepherds the church here, okay? He takes four quotations in the following verses from the Old Testament to help the church understand the grand scope of salvation compared to their local church disagreements. Remember, this is Paul writing to a church in Rome. And he captures the scope of Christianity. And in essence, calls them to a higher living. He does it to prod their obedience. So the quotes that, that he talks, and, and if you're reading from, from your Bible, they might be indented or written in italics. But they're from Deuteronomy and they're from Psalms. And this is like the cliff notes of what, of what Paul is doing. Hey, uh, David welcomed people and he saw the effects of it. Namely, missions. Hey, Moses welcomed people and he saw the effects of it. Parentheses. So I want you to welcome people and I want you to see the effects of it. Now, what are the effects? That's what I want to show you. Watch this. God is saying in these, in these verses, 8 through 13, I have accomplished salvation. I've done it. And I've brought these two people groups, the Jews and the rest of everyone else, the Gentiles, I've brought them together. And if I can do this, I think you can handle this little disagreement. It's like, hey Gentiles, this is, this is Newman translation of these verses. Hey Gentiles, uh, remember that your salvation comes from Jewish roots. Uh, hey Jews, remember that I showed mercy on the Gentiles. <laughs> right? That's, that, that's, that's a summary of what he's saying. Let's look at it with our own eyes, though, okay? Let me just read through it. Let's start at verse 9. In order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. 
as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. Look at uh, verse 10. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Verse 11. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. 12. The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope what's happening here that couched in this conversation of welcoming the weak. Like Paul is saying, if you do this by the power of God through Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, if you welcome people, it pleases me. Jesus gets like the glory and the effects of it are missions. People will come to Christ. People who don't know Jesus will go, look at them, they're getting along. There's a hope there, and I want that. That's what this text does. That's what he's doing. So he's, he's saying, like, it provides all peoples hope, not just the church. Although the church has hope, all peoples will have hope if they believe as a result of seeing what's happening in the church. So just to shoot for absolute clarity, what I'm saying is this. When we choose to welcome each other and love each other through disagreements, the result is not just restored, mended relationship. The result is that the lost will come to know God. Our light will shine brightly in the darkness and even though John says that the darkness comprehendeth not, that the light will pierce the darkness. So, church, we don't have to have a show of hands because I know it's 100%. Every one of you want to be used by God. Every one of you want your life to count for Jesus. You want to glorify God with your life. And you want to see that happen. You want to see loss. You want to see family members and friends come to Christ. Watch how the Scriptures train us. This is us just applying the Scriptures. How will we build the church? How will loss come to know? Typically, this is how we've answered it. Let's get an awesome pastor with a cool haircut that wears like holes in his jeans. Right? Let's get a worship leader that can just riff it out and he's just so awesome right let's get a youth ministry and bounce houses oh let's just program this sucker like crazy i know let's get flyers to to totally canvas the community and then the lost will come to know him let's make sure that we have personalities and programs in place because if that happens then they'll come and if they come, then they'll be there and they'll, like, what is this, like feel the dream stuff? But God's Word says that if the people of God love one another and welcome those different from themselves, that the light of the Gospel will shine so bright that the nations will have, possess, hope. They'll come to Christ. they'll see that Jesus really does change lives. So where does it start? 
I would say it starts in the home first. Marriages, siblings. If you want to seek to please God, you must be devoted to not pleasing yourself. That's how we must live in the kitchen, in the living room, in the basement. Every opportunity, every decision needs to come under and in submission to this truth that we must not please ourselves. If you ask that question, like, how can I please God and others this day? If you ask that every morning, you're going to be a bright mag light. I think it starts in the church. Are you seeking to build up others rather than yourself? I mean, we, we have to say this, that, that if we can't get it right in here on this level, then, then they won't want to be here. They won't want what, what we have. It's the big deal in the Scriptures. And um, just so that you hear me, I'm not like coming down on my church. I actually have been so encouraged. Can you think of a more contentious two years than the last two years that we've had? Um, and my week in Green Bay, uh, we've had a, I, I just had a lot of pastors asking, uh, how was it? And you know what they mean. How was the shutdown? How, how'd your church do with COVID, Right. And I tell everyone that our church was not contentious. And they go, what? Are you serious? Yeah. Like, we just kind of loved each other through it. The church was super gracious. We worked through all that internet stuff and all that mask business and, you know, all that social distancing junk, you know? We, we, we were like, I don't know what to do. Let's just like try this. And, and we were so loving. I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of you. And your witness and um, how you guys treated each other um, during that process is still ministering to other pastors and churches because I'm telling them about it because it's so different than what most have experienced. So, good job. Really. It starts online, too. Do you, do you show charity to others online, or do you let them have it? <laughs> it's crazy. So weary Christian, tired, perhaps broken, beat it down. You had dust all over your jacket. You need to just be dusted off a little bit and, and be reminded Okay, what is, what's going on here? Why should I welcome people? Why, why should I go through the process? Because I know it's going to be hard. It seems like the road is long before me. What's the purpose of all this? And I would say this, to be mindful of others' results and missions. If you can capture that, hold on to that, I think that'll take us as a church so far and God will get so much glory from it. Why? 
I'd just like to close in reading a song. This is from uh, the church's One Foundation. But this will put even these lyrics in perspective as it relates to local church getting along, resulting in missions. Watch this. Why do we do this? So that elect from every nation. You with me? Yeah. Yet one or all the earth, and her, that's the church, her charter of salvation, one Lord, one faith, one birth. You see the unity in that? Yet she on earth hath union. Here's the unity. With God, the three in one, and mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one. It's a togetherness in the church. And so it ends with, O happy ones and holy, Lord, give us grace that we, like them, the meek and lowly in love may dwell with thee. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, not ours. Your will be done, not ours. On earth as it is in heaven. We're going to need help in this, Lord, so we're going to ask that you would give us daily, not just today for Sunday to last the rest of the week, but give us today our daily bread. And we, for, we for, ask for forgiveness. We confess our sins. So we, we just do that right now and pause and know that you're faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgive our debtors as they have forgiven us. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And ultimately, our prayer at the end of the day is that you would receive all glory and honor. So thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And we're not just praying that for today, but we're saying forever. And all God's people say, Amen. Would you stand?